Hello there, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. Welcome to our free Grace Teaching podcast station here. And also join us at Quality of Life Grace Teaching Ministries for more Grace Teaching there. Schools in session. I know a lot of the kids are out of school now. And summer has began. But what class does God have you in? See, because God has his own school and his school is for his children remember to all who received him to them who believed in his name Jesus Christ God has given us the right to be called children of God and as God's children he's going to enroll us in class after class after class after class and remember this starts at conversion and it goes with us until we're absent from these bodies present with the Lord so we want to get in the habit of asking God these question this question what can I learn in this class because these classes range in all different kinds of things and we learn in these classes remember the Holy Spirit is in us to teach us everything we need to know and so we want to make sure we go to the Holy Spirit and, and ask the Holy Spirit, what can we learn in this class? Many times I've made the mistake by saying, why is this happening to me, Lord, or God, or Holy Spirit? Why is this happening? And many of us do that. Why do we do that? Because we forget Proverbs 3, 5, which says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. That's what happens. And a lot of times if we do get in a circumstance, for an example, the problems is one of the classes, the first class that God en enrolls us in. And yes, nothing comes to us that doesn't pass through his hands. So problems are normal in the Christian's life. I want to say that again. Problems are normal in the Christian life. Your problems that you're having right now are normal, okay? And there's a lot of reasons for problems, but God can pick problems up and use them as a tool to help him make his children into the people he wants them to be in, okay? And so, problems. We want to take a look at that. What is the purpose in problems? You know, God has a purpose in problems, and we have to take a look at that. But before we do, we want to take a look at Philippians 1.6. So as you're flipping there to Philippians 1.6, um, I'm going to read off some of these classes that you might be enrolled in at this time. Problems, like we mentioned, the first one. Intimacy. You might be in this course called Intimacy, and you, get a, you gain a deep understanding of His love through the teaching of the Holy Spirit. He might move you from thankfulness. Um, he might move you to uh, being thankful for others' success or happiness. You know, many times we see things on Facebook and, or a social media and we see loved ones having fun and we're not. And, uh, you know, we're working really hard and we haven't taken a vacation in years and you know, a lot of times I'm guilty of this. I can look at that uh, vacation that my family's taken and, 
you know, they're at the beach and they're just having a great time, you know, underneath the umbrella and going swimming. And I'm sitting here working a 12-hour shift in a very dark villa in an assisted living or a memory care unit. And I haven't been on vacation in years and we are guilty of this. And God, what God does is he moves us to a place where we can actually give thanks We can actually get to a place where we're thankful for others' happiness when we're not. Or, you know, remember what happiness is. Happiness is going to be based on circumstances. So if we're going to pull from our circumstances for happiness, a lot of times we're going to be discouraged because circumstances are very shifty, aren't they? Today you might have circumstances that might make you happy. Tomorrow you might not have circumstances that make you happy. And we cannot live there. We cannot live from that system. But God will move us, the child of God, from, to a place of, uh, from a place of selfishness and self-absorption to a place of thinking about others and being grateful for their success and their happiness. Another course that he might move us in or teach us in is um, when he moves us from carnal to spiritual. Now, keep in mind the child of God is carnal at conversion. That means we're self-reliant. And God has to use this unbelieving world sometimes to move us like a bulldozer moves the earth from one place to another. And so remember that uh, Satan is the god of the external, and God can use the external things to move us to this place, whether it be unbelievers or circumstances. The next course that he might enroll you in is he might teach you about being thankful. You know, I believe personally that we Christians can be the most unthankful people on the planet. And I say that to, to look at this guy. I was very unthankful. I was always looking at my problems and not being thankful. And so I was not a thankful Christian, but God had to move me to a place of being thankful. And so I was complaining all the time as a Christian and God moved me to a place of being thankful. Now I can thank Jesus for what he did for me. I can thank God for who he made me in his son. I can, th- I can be thankful today for God's love for me because I'm his child and he loves me unconditionally. And this has nothing to do with performance or behavior. You see, today I've moved from carnal to spiritual, meaning carnal is just a flesh life. It's a self, that's a Christian living from the self life from the flesh. And when God moves us to spiritual, what we're going to do is trust Christ. He wants us to trust Christ, not ourselves. Loving your enemies. This might be another course that he might teach you in. He might give you an enemy. Remember, nothing happens to us that doesn't pass through his hands first. So sometimes he might allow an enemy to come into your life. And remember, the enemy persuades, entices, and tempts us. And then we take things into our own hands. And we have to be careful not to say this is bad because the enemy will say, it wasn't me, it was your flesh. See, we're, we're quick to blame Satan for 
disrupting our lives. But in reality, he all he can do is persuade, entice, and tempt us. He can't make us do anything. It's when we take things into our own hands. It's that second look that gets us in trouble. So he'll move us to a place where we'll love our enemies. And love keeps no records of wrongs. Keep that in mind. The next course that he might move us and and teach us in is he'll move us from arguing to being kind. You know, children argue and fight all the time. Constantly about everything and anything. My wife and I both had, we were guardian house parents, and one thing we noticed about the youngest kids, the youngest children, is they argued and uh, fought each other about everything and anything. It didn't matter what the, what it was. They just liked to argue with each other, and they liked to fight. And this is what children do until they grow up. When they grow up, they just they discover that, hey, why did we hurt each other? We're brothers. We're supposed to help each other. And that's what we do now. See, they've grown up. They've matured a little bit. And that's what God does to us spiritually. He takes the spiritual baby, the Christian baby, and he moves them from this place of arguing. Because remember, the arguing and fighting in the body of Christ is going to grieve the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so he wants to move us to a place where we're trusting Christ and Christ produces kindness through us. You see how he works? Philippians 1.6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So like I mentioned in the very beginning of this teaching, God starts this school at the moment of our conversion, and it goes on till we're absent from the body, present with the Lord. God's school is sometimes life lessons, and we learn in these life lessons, don't we? Sometimes we lose a a few years off of our life in these life lessons. Mentally, you see, and so, in the Greek language, the, uh, the word good work, remember in Philippians 1.6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. This word good work is argon, and its meaning is to accomplish a work. God will accomplish this work in us. He wants to form us into the likeness of his son, Jesus. He wants to reveal the revelation of Christ Jesus in us. He wants to see the fruit of the Spirit come out of the child of God. And so he will form us and shape us into the people he wants us to be in. He will accomplish this work. Argon is a deed. It's an action that carries out, completes an inner desire, intention, or purpose. He actually will move us from, I have to be kind today because I'm a Christian, to the place where I am going to be kind today to people because it's my inner desire. And it's my intention. It's my purpose in being a believer. You see how he does this? In Philippians 2.13, excuse me, Philippians 2.13 For it is God in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
So what he does is he gives us a desire in us in the person of Christ. And then he is the power to do what pleases him through us. And so that's how this is going to be accomplished. We're not going to live the Christian life through self-reliance or self-sufficiency. He's going to move us to a place of trusting Christ to live the Christian life through us. Jesus died for us so he could give his life to us, so he could transmit his life through us. Someone once said. So problems, the first course. This is the one we all struggle with the most because when we have problems that are out of our control, they come into our lives, and the first thing we listen to is Satan's voice. You know that voice I'm talking about. That one that sounds like our voice. It sounds like my thoughts. It's in that first singular pronoun, I. I can't believe this is happening to me. See the I and the me there? That's the mark of the beast right there in our thoughts. Remember the enemy attacks the mind, makes us think that these thoughts are coming from ourselves. And what happens is we take things into our own hands. And a lot of times we're disobedient when it comes to discipleship. When we are being discipled, taught, trained as God's children in his course, in his class. Remember what disobedience is. What is disobedience when it comes to problems in our life, when, we have, when we're in that course? Well, it's, it's focusing on the problem, isn't it? It's making the problem bigger than Christ. It's living a self-reliant life and getting angry and saying, oh, this is bad. And you do a downward spiral into the pit of hell and you feel lousy, you see. Instead of going to the Lord, obedience when it comes to problems in this course is to get dependent on Christ. Let the problems take you to Christ. Problems will help God accomplish his will and purpose for our life. A lot of times we don't want his will and purpose for our lives. We want our will and our purpose for our lives. See, we struggle with this. We struggle with this because the flesh fights the spirit. The flesh wants to go left. Christ and God and the Holy Spirit want to go right to a place called maturity. So what's the purpose of problems? If obedience is trusting Christ, problems are designed by God to take us to him. David is a great example. I'll give you a few here. To chew on. David said this in uh, Psalms 18:6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and he heard my cry. Now, distress, I know we've all been there when it comes to problems. What did David do in that distress? Notice he went to the Lord. He says, I called on the Lord and he heard my cry. The word called there, its meaning is to call someone on the phone. It's the closest thing we have to what that really means. 2 Samuel 22, verse 7. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. 2 Chronicles 15, verse 4. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. Israel. They were in distress. They called, on the, they called upon the Lord and uh, he showed up. He helped them. 
keep this in mind, who is Israel today? Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're Israel. You're God's chosen people today. It works the same way with us. The prophet Isaiah 26 verse 16 says, Lord, in distress we searched for you. We prayed beneath the burden of your discipline. Remember what the word discipline means. It means to disciple. Discipleship. God disciplines those he loves. Meaning he trains those he loves. And he uses problems to do this. To form us and to make us into the people he wants us to be in. So image for image. Your image is going, but his image is being revealed. Jonah. We all know the story of Jonah. In the belly of the well, he ran from God. And he was in the belly of the well. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. And this, uh, you know the story, the well spit Jonah out on the beach. <laughs> Stress and problems, purpose and plan immediately push us into the presence of the Lord. Have you ever noticed that? If we allow them to do that, that's what they'll do. David, in Psalms 23, 1, notice he is in distress in Psalms 18, 6, but then in Psalms 23, 1, he says something totally opposite. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. You see that? What he's let the problems do? They pushed him into the Lord's presence, and then the Lord answered and took care of him. That's what we need to do with our problems. So that we want to let them push us to the Lord. We don't want to talk about them, think about them, rehearse them, bring them up all the time. We want to talk about Jesus. We want our thoughts on Jesus, not the problems. If you put your eyes on Jesus, he'll overwhelm you and everything you focus on will get bigger. What you focus on will get bigger. You focus on your problem, your problem's going to get bigger. Remember where the thoughts go, our emotions travel. Jesus did not promise a peaceful world, nor did he promise peaceful circumstances, did he? In fact, he promised just the opposite, didn't he? He says, in me is peace, in this world, it'll be a disaster. Have you ever been to the beach? Have you ever noticed the waves? They come in and they hit the shore over and over and over and over and over, one after the other. That's a picture of problems. Problems come to us like waves to the shore. And if we're going to live from this system of happiness, remember what happiness is, folks. It's when your circumstances are all good, then you're happy. The problem is with this is if trials and problems are like the waves to the shore, you're going to be happy today and miserable tomorrow. And it'll go on like that the rest of your life. But when we keep our thoughts on Jesus... We will experience perfect peace all the time in our thought life and our emotions will respond. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You like what the apostle said when he wrote his letter to the church in Christ at Philippi. He said, Don't be anxious about anything. But we're anxious about everything, aren't we? everything 
know, the normal Christian life, like I mentioned in the beginning, is problems. And what happens is we get anxious about all of our problems. Paul says, don't do this. Don't be anxious about anything. It's a command. And so how, do you, how is it possible for us to not be anxious about anything when that seems like that's all we do is get anxious over our problems? We have to shift. Like we, uh, my wife and I ride motorcycles. We uh, motorcycle enthusiasts. And one thing, you know, we've got five gears on our, on our motorcycles. And if you stay in first gear on a motorcycle in this weather, in this heat, that, that engine will blow right up. What do you need to do? You need to shift, right? We need to shift from self-reliance to Christ's life. I like what the Apostle Paul said this, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm able to do anything through Christ who infuses me with inner strength. He says, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Now, there's a, there's a command there as well. Pray. Pray. Then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Keep in mind, you don't experience the peace of God unless you pray first. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the peace of God guarding my mind and heart. Thank you for being my peace. In this present moment, as my thoughts are on you, turn your thoughts on him. If your mind goes walkabout, bring it back to him. That's why the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us twice to do something very important. I think if we all got a hold of these two verses and just really let them absorb in our thought life, it would make a big difference in our Christian life. Hebrews 3, 1 says to do one thing. Put your thoughts on Jesus. Can you do that today? I know sometimes when our thoughts have been on uh, circumstances or overwhelming events that have happened in our life, a lot of times it can be like super gluing two, uh, two items together. It's hard to get them apart, isn't it? And if your thought life has been on circumstances out of your control for a long period of time, it might take a little while for you to get your thoughts on Christ. You might have to hear this message about, about 20 or 30 times. Put your thoughts on Jesus. Move from, from, from the circumstance over to Christ. Remember, whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We're clean, folks. Jesus took our sins. We are in him. He is in us. We are one spirit with him. We live in him. He lives in us. He's holding us together. In fact, he holds all creation together. That should bring some comfort, knowing he knows everything as well. Did you know that? Did you know he already knows about it? He knows about your circumstance, your problems. He knows it all. He knows everything about it. How could he not? Hebrews 12.2, and I'll close it with this. Fix your eyes on Jesus, period. Talking about spiritual eyes. See, remember, God, by grace through faith are we saved, and by grace through faith do we put our spiritual eyes on him. Be encouraged. This has been Brad and Grace Teaching. God bless.